Hello, Double Shift members. It's Catherine. Today is October 5th, 2022, and I will be reading from this week's newsletter, The Negotiation Secrets Not Enough Women Know. And as always, thank you so much for being a member of The Double Shift. With so much up for grabs about our workplaces and as we continue to self-reflect about our caregiving needs, burnout, and what we want from our careers, it feels like now is a ripe time to think about negotiation. Even though I've negotiated many times in my career, I have to admit that it's still hard to shake negative stereotypes of women in corporate negotiations, like that they're all hard-charging, insufferable, hashtag girl bosses who are only out for themselves. We need to talk about and destigmatize the practice. Better pay, more job satisfaction, and more professional advancement can all be benefits of negotiating. But it's a skill that takes practice over the course of many years and situations, lots of different situations, and shouldn't just be saved for a last-ditch do-or-die scenario. Whether you are pondering if your current job is salvageable, interested in a promotion, thinking about how to get back into the workforce on your own terms, or even just have a relatively small workplace ask that could make your life better, I'd like to introduce you to the work of Catherine Valentine. In 2014, Catherine Valentine was an ambitious 27-year-old MBA student doing a crucial summer internship. She finished her project early and was hungry to showcase her energy and skills, so she decided to negotiate with her supervisor for another assignment. She thought this would help demonstrate her efficiency in finishing early, her go-getter attitude, and would hopefully distinguish her as an exemplary intern and translate to a job offer at the end of the summer. She spent the weekend before the meeting reading up on negotiation tactics and even practiced on her mom. Catherine writes about this experience. Monday at 10 a.m., I walked into the intern coordinator's office. By 10.08, I had managed to offend her. By 10.12, I was told I wasn't a good fit for the culture. Once it was clear I wouldn't be getting a job offer, it didn't make sense to waste the rest of the summer, so we parted ways. And per company protocol, I was escorted off the premises by a security guard, my head spinning. Within 15 minutes, I'd gone from a top candidate to no job offer and then no internship. In the last eight years, Catherine has spent a lot of time thinking about what went wrong in that conversation. She's also spent years poring over research on negotiation tactics and has since founded Worth More Strategies, a consultancy that works with companies to help retain and promote women. Her conclusions are that negotiations are highly gendered spaces with women at more risk of negative outcomes from using tactics that go against gender stereotypes. Backlash can be as dramatic as getting escorted out of the building or more subtle, like getting passed over for opportunities down the line or not being included in key meetings. When she thinks back on that fateful internship conversation, she recognizes that the advice she found about how to handle her internship negotiation didn't take gender into consideration at all and encouraged her to mimic a take-charge style with a list of demands. In her conversation, she used lots of I statements and framed her requests more as what she deserved for her own advancement. Thinking back on it now, Catherine thinks she should have placed more emphasis on maintaining a good relationship with her supervisor 
and highlighting her interest in a strong relationship with the company. I should have used a relational ask, something along the lines of, I'm already having a great time here. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm really excited because I was able to finish up my project early, which I think gives an opportunity to deliver even more impact. Can we talk about what I might be able to do with the second half of my summer? I would be really excited to move to another team simply so I could meet more people here. That would have landed fine. I want to be clear that unpacking these gender dynamics isn't a tacit approval of how much gender manifests in the workplace, but it is meant to better equip women to navigate the conscious or subconscious expectations of those in power. Men are cultivated to take charge. Women are cultivated to take care. What that means is that men can pretty directly ask for what they want, and that's what's expected of them. Women can't do that. It's seen as something that needs to be corrected, and they can face backlash. I think, more importantly, for a lot of women, it feels uncomfortable. And if you're uncomfortable doing it, then you're not going to do it right, Catherine explains. Catherine now knows that women can greatly benefit from using collaborative negotiation tactics, which is breaking out of the adversarial zero-sum mindset that can creep into how we think about negotiation, and instead focusing on how your ask benefits both you and the company. I once did a day-long negotiation workshop with the Harvard Business School professor Brian Mandel, and he called this aspect writing their victory speech. Basically, how do you frame what you want as a victory for the person you're negotiating with? What you want to do well at your job. How Catherine puts it is, you want to do well at your job. Your employer wants you to do well at your job. Fundamentally, you're aligned on that. Anything that prevents you from providing the impact that you're capable of isn't good for you or them, Catherine writes. Another stereotype we need to challenge is that women negotiating is somehow inherently selfish. In fact, women are more successful in negotiating when they frame their ask as communal rather than solely benefiting themselves. Catherine tells the story of a woman she worked with around framing the ask of moving a leadership call from 6 p.m. to 3 p.m. After learning there wasn't a strong reason for the late meeting time, it was more just of a way things had always been. She didn't say, this is a bad time for me. I have young kids and I want to be out of the office earlier. What she said was, our company has evolved to be much more supportive of families and this change would be aligned with those values. What do you think? As I found extensively in my reporting, communally framed asks do make a difference. Groups of women coming together to ask for universal changes to policies, especially around family leave, can be highly effective at getting results perhaps more so than one person making a request. Family leave is among the 75 things Catherine has identified as something people can negotiate for beyond just salary. While negotiating for policy changes that can benefit everyone is a wonderful thing to do, Catherine suggests that people be gentle with themselves if they aren't able to immediately push through better deals for all. If you're just trying to stay in the game, don't put that weight on your shoulders, she recommends. However, that doesn't mean that once you get a better deal, you should forget how you have benefited. There definitely may be opportunities for you to say down the road, hey, why don't we make this standard for everyone? I was just working with someone who was negotiating fertility benefits, and she found out that her company actually had surprising IVF benefit that no one would have expected. 
And when she pulled back the curtain on it, it was because of one of the senior leaders, who was a woman, had negotiated for it. Then, after she finished negotiating for it, she said, by the way, this is important for everyone. And it was now a universal company policy. But let's be clear that being able to negotiate at all is a privilege. Women who are service workers or are living paycheck to paycheck, the risk of backlash is too great if a negotiation leads to missteps. Part of Catherine's work is motivated by her own mother's story. She says, I was raised by a single mom who found out she was underpaid by collectively probably over a million dollars over the course of her career when she retired, but she never negotiated because she couldn't risk it. I think that if she were given these tools, she probably could have. And unfortunately, while Catherine says there are around 60 good studies on gender negotiation, studies that break down other intersections, especially around race and sexual identity, barely exist and don't have enough rigor behind them to make significant conclusions. She says, I've seen these intersections come up, but I have not seen the strategy around relational and collaborative negotiation need to change, meaning that this advice still very much holds for people with additional intersections and their identities. So I find this frustrating that existing research sees women as cis white women. And Unfortunately, that's just where the research is, and obviously a lot more needs to be done. So if you'd like to read more on specific advice aimed at women of color in the workplace, I would recommend Minda Hart's book, The Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table. It's not surprising to me that during this era of professional reevaluation and newfound worker power, unions are also having a renaissance, especially in female-dominated fields like retail and food service. I'm all for all of the ways we can come together to stand up for ourselves, and challenging our own assumptions about negotiation can absolutely be an important part of reimagining a better workplace for all. So let's keep talking about this double shifters. In tomorrow's members-only thread, I'll be asking you all to share your own stories of negotiation feats and face plants. I'd love to hear what's worked and what has not worked for you in the land of workplace negotiation and what you do differently in the future. Members, check your inboxes at noon Eastern on Thursday. More on negotiation. This will all these links will be in the show notes. If you are interested in learning more about Catherine Valentine's speaking and consulting work, along with getting more negotiation tactics, sign up for her newsletter. What I am watching, the new Amazon Prime show, A League of Their Own, is such a great historical drama, now with lots of gay plot lines. And I just have to say, sorry, Madonna and Tom Hanks, I like this new version more. What I am reading is some books that I learned about on Twitter. So social media is often a dumpster fire, but I have loved this one Twitter thread on the one book you'd recommended more than any other in the past 10 years. There's tons of great recommendations on it, and I have even read a few of them. So I'm linking to that if you want to dive into some book recommendations there. Y'all, it is only 33 days until the election. Let's not set this one out. Especially if you all live in North Carolina, there's many of the people in this community do, not all, but there's a strong contingent. 
I would like to remind you, your body is on the ballot. This is true for many other states. And I would like to recommend volunteering with You Can Vote, which is a wonderful nonpartisan voter registration and assistance organization. I have volunteered with them in years past. Or Neighbors on Call, which is a partisan and canvassing for candidates organization. And I have been volunteering with them this year. Thanks, as always, for listening and being a member. I could not do this without... I could not do this without you, and I appreciate your support, as always.